words that come to mind is, come those who are thirsty, come and drink. Come those. And standing here this morning, it's, I want you to stay in that, that, that place of expectancy of where you are hungry, where you are thirsty. It's not the worship team that did this this morning. It was us as a congregation that want to participate in what he's here and his Holy Spirit is, is alive and is active inside of us. And yeah, it, it's just uh, so overwhelming and so exciting to see that. So, well, we've missed you. We wait for three weeks. It's great to have you back. John and, and Dylan back after a long time away. It's great to have you back, to see you back at church, back at family. Daniel, you didn't tell them. You've been a, you're, you're a member of this church. You decided to go away and just leave us, but you came back. Your word was just You can take the mic anytime this morning. Okay. Um, who else did I see this morning um, that I haven't seen for a while? It's just so good to see everyone at Olivia in front of worship yet this morning. They should give you a mic. Where was your mic this morning? <laughs> it's great to have you in the front, Lydia. Um, even you have a purpose in this church. If, if we can just know one thing this morning, and that is that everyone here, Everyone, there's no exclusions as a purpose. I have notes, but I don't want to use it. Um, I want to just speak from my heart this morning, but there's scriptures that I can't recall from memory. Maybe God gives me the supernatural uh, ability this morning. But I want, to, I want to share with you a bit of a testimony and... But just what, before I start that, what happened this morning is just such a confirmation of the God that's alive. He's alive inside, inside of us. So, so let me start with, with, with my journey. So imagine Jesus on the cross. And... He gives this great commission. Go out. Make disciples. Teach them to obey my commands. And go out and do it to all nations. That was the great, the great commission on the, when, when, he, when he shared that. Go out and make disciples. Teach them to obey my law, my commandments, and do this to all nations. And what I heard this morning, Daniel, when you shared, even working in the engine room, there was a purpose for that. You worked in the engine room this morning to share a powerful testimony. Everyone has got a purpose. And the question is, if Jesus say, if Jesus said this, it's not so, Jesus said, go out and make. It, it's a bit of an instruction, and there's, there needs to be a, a response to that. We say, God, I choose to obey. I choose to go and make. I choose to go. If it's only, only to, just to go and be available, that's also obedience. The, then there is to all nations, whether it's today, you're here, to, you've been away for two years, 
Go. Go and make. So that, that's, the, that's the great commission. And, and if we now go back and say, let's, let's imagine Jesus on the cross. And once again, the great command. Where he says, you must love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then he says, and the next command that's equal to this is you must love your neighbor. And this morning someone shared about the love, God's love on us. And he, he gives us the command, and they're equal. It's not the first and the second, they're equal. You must love me, and you must love your neighbor. Loving your neighbor, I can just give you some hope here, it's not liking all of them. But we've got to love. Love in the end will lead to liking them as well, hopefully. We have more than one neighbor. We potentially have five neighbors. We have to love our neighbor. This is a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a command. Now, the love, the way I understand it from reading scripture, is God's love, which is agape, is the Greek for love, agape love, self-sacrificial. So, I love, and there's no gain in it for me. It's for the people out there. So, I don't think any of us are qualified without the gift of the Holy Spirit to love in a way like that. I need God to love people the way He loves me. I stand here today and I say, I am disqualified. I'm disqualified. And I need His grace. I need His mercy on my life. I need Him daily to help me to love people more. Because I don't always love people. I try to love, sorry, I try to love people all the time, but definitely don't like all the people that I engage with. And this week I failed. Um, I want us to, to just quickly read the scripture. Um, if we can open it, also be 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, you are nothing. I am nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor, and even sacrificed my body, so that I can boast about it, but I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. This is what love is. The scripture also tells us that we must love our enemy. We must bless those who curse us. And we must pray for those who mistreat us. My sister is going through a real difficult time at the moment. And I said to my son yesterday, if I can, I'll go with my car and drive over her husband. And he asked me, will you really do it, Dad? I was like, son, I do feel like that. But I can't do that. I must pray for that. I must pray for the person. 
I don't like him, but I must in some other way show that I love him the way God loves me so that one day, hopefully very soon, they get to know the real Jesus and change his life. That is a hard, hard call. I, I, I don't feel today, I feel like killing him. But that's not about feelings. I said earlier that to agape love is not a feeling. It's a decision you've got to make and say, because God loved me, because I'm saved today, I choose to love all people. I want to continue with the scripture, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. I mean, thank you this morning for your testimony. How you showed love to your mom. Your, your love, I think spending time on the word, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Mm. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help us to love more. My, my, my spiritual journey, I brought up in a, in a spiritual home, went to a kerk, Sonar school, Sonar school, Tani, Sonar school. Um, I done all those things. And I want to just share with you quickly how, how, how amazing God worked in my life until the day I decided, God, I need you. So today I, I cannot, I, I'll, I'll never blame my parents or my previous church or previous churches that they've done something wrong. I think God had a plan with my life. And the right time, I said, God, I want you in my life. So, going to London for the first time, um, I was an empty vessel. But I did go to church. I did try to read Bible. I did pray every now and then. The prayers felt as if it just hit the ceiling and then came back. But I've heard that scripture so many times. Uh, but through, um, through God, nothing's important. Oh, sorry. Um, I'll get the scripture now. I'll get to it now. Anyway, um, and I visited a few churches, um, and I went to the one church probably for six, seven, eight months. I just felt something was not right. I, 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 was, I was not growing, and there was just no life. But it's a very comfortable place because I see my friends every Sunday, and we had that church, full church. I went to visit a big charismatic church in London, and... During worship, there was, I just had the encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's like, wow, there is something different here. I just had tears. I was crying. I was like, God, you are good. And there came an altar call. Hand went up, but I was like one of these secret. Yes, I also wanted to, to commit my life to the Lord. And for some other reason, in this big church, someone saw me from behind and after this came to me and says, can I pray for you? Gave me a little booklet, went home, invited me to the to the first a course in that during that week. I went to the to this course or to this whatever you call it cell group, and they were sharing about the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, baptism. And I was like, "This is not for me. I'm not ready for this." I asked the 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 gentleman who or the the guy who gave me all the scriptures. 
I don't believe in speaking in tongues. I don't believe in baptism. I was good. I was geweest toen ik klein was. And at grade 12, I had to, to say, yes, I now want to join church. And I was now in church. And I said, you give me scriptures about this, where, where I have to speak in tongues and be baptized. He sent me an email, a long email. I was like, okay, so it's actually in the Bible. I tried to, I ignored it. I didn't go back. I went back to my, comfor- to my comfortable church. I was there for, for quite a long time then. Uh, joined the cell group. It was okay, but there was once again no life in it, no challenges. It was just the way I want to do life. That's okay. And sort of this, this my, my own ministry. I then came back to South, Af- to South Africa, and Amri and I was doing, well, actually, this story, before, before we came back, my cousin reached out to me in London, and she gave me scripture, and she had, took me for a coffee, and t- the only question she had was, Skulk, do you believe in Jesus? I said, yes, of course I believe in Jesus. I mean, I was brought up in home. I do believe in Jesus. Skulk, so she asked me, Skulk, do you have a relationship with him? My head answer was yes, of course. But in my heart, I was like, mm, it's not a real relationship. That was, that was the heart. But the head answer was yes, I had. She invited me for another coffee. I went for the coffee, challenged me. I decided after that coffee to avoid her. But in a loving way, I said to her, you know, I'm always busy. I just never had time for a drink. I came back to South Africa I mean, I did church hopping. We walked into a church in Stellenbosch, a charismatic church. And there, amazing worship, altar call, I'm ready. Amri was with me. We're ready. We want to do this. So this was the second time that I gave my heart to the Lord. But this time it was like, I'm doing this this time because I want to be committed. I want to actually get to know this God. I want to have a relationship, as they call it. The journey on this was so many people, sorry, my brother as well, my brother was was ministering to my my wife while I was working hard, and she was like, I arrived home, and Amri was like, Skulk, your brother spoke to me today about this scripture and this scripture, and I was like, Amri, don't worry, it's it's, it's, it's just another scripture, and the next, I would come back the second, next night, and Skulk, he came to me again today, and he spoke to me, I'm like, Amri, okay, let's do this. And that's why we went to that church and gave our heart to the Lord. So my brother was also involved. Why I'm sharing this is personal, inva- personal evangelism. When we, when we share the good news, share the gospel, often, and this is a skulk, maybe a skulk personality, I want to fix things. I'm a fixer. The best time spending with my wife is not to fix the problem, just to listen. It's actually so easy. Just listen, and she feels great. You've heard me. You understand. Don't have to solve this, but just hear me. But my auto response, I want to fix. So sharing the gospel is hard for me sometimes because I want to say, hey, take this and run because this is good. And if I don't get the response of, yes, let's go, I'm like, I failed. And, and what I want to just share with this morning in closing is the only thing God calls us to do is to sow the seed. To be obedient to sow the seed. And nothing but that. How easy is this? So go out and make disciples. The love path. All we do is sow the seed in love. 
Some will fall by the wayside. Some will be on thorny. Some will be on good soil. You know what? God is saying, I have got this. If you can help me just to sow the seed. And like that, I don't need you. I don't need you. But if you are going to journey with me, just sow the seed. And you sow the seed in the same way, but some, some fall by the wayside, and some are the thorny, and some are stony ground. Let us just be obedient to what God asks ask us to do. Just please continue to sow the seed. My word will do the work at the right time. Today, someone might be here and might say, I want to do that same thing this morning. It's not our church who did that. Praise the Lord for the work that he's doing in, in someone's lives. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for every one of us. Thank you. God is good. <laughs> His word is powerful. <laughs> Morning, family. It is uh, wonderful to see how the river flows, as Carl was saying. You know, we just over the last few weeks, we've been talking about, um, you know, everybody playing their role. Uh, Will was here two weeks ago. He spoke about taking what, what God has got for you. And um, last week, I wasn't part of the meeting. I had to go off to Gordon's Bay, but it was just fantastic to, to get the feedback of everybody getting involved and coming up to such an extent that Richard didn't get a slot to preach. And we're seeing it again this morning, people participating. And we want to see that same participation when, when we're not here together, when we're out, you know, when we're with our extended families, when we're with our colleagues, when we're in checkers, when we're chatting to our neighbors in the driveway. And those are the people that we need to be impacting as well. So I want to talk to you a little bit of the practical side. Who's ever had that experience where you feel this, your heart's beating and God's saying, you need to speak to this person, but you've got no idea what he actually wants you to say. Who's, who's sort of been there before? Okay, so let's just throw around a few ideas. You know, as, um, so I've got a few um, ideas on, on the sort of the content we share, and then I've got a few examples from Scripture where we just look at, at what happened in certain, certain instances. So the first thing is just to keep it personal. You know, I think Anin was saying, you don't want to hear about somebody else's Facebook story. You want to hear the personal story. And we've had great sharing today from a number of folk just giving their personal stories. And I think we were all quite engaged with that because they weren't talking about, oh, you must hear what happened to Andrew. Or they were talking about themselves. They were keeping it really personal. Now, maybe we don't all have a fantastic testimony or fantastic personal story like Daniel, all the cool accent that he's got either. You know? But uh, we've each got our own personal story that we can share. And the, the first key is really to keep that personal because that, that's how you engage the person. You speak from the heart, like, like Stolk said. So he shared his testimony from the heart, and that's what engages someone and gets their attention as opposed to just, just talking words or trying to share somebody else's story because you think it's so cool it had an impact on you, but it's not secondhand. It's not going to have that same impact. The second thing is to share the gospel story. So be careful just about sharing about yourself and loving the person, but we've actually got to get into the gospel at some point. And sometimes you can walk a journey with somebody, so you know you're going to see your colleague every day or you're going to see your neighbor regularly. So you've got time to be able to share the gospel with them, and you can build relationship and build trust with them first. But sometimes it might just be you pass somebody in the street or you see somebody in the shop, and God says, I want you to share with them. And you might never see them again. So that might be the opportunity where God wants you to actually share the gospel. So we've got to be in tune to the Holy Spirit to say, well, God, what do you want me to, to actually share with this person? You know, is it, must I just share my story? Must I invite them to church? 
or do you actually want me to share the gospel? So we've got to, we've got to seek God, and it's, I mean, you've got a moment. Maybe you're just the person's in the other aisle, and you don't know if they're going to be there for another five minutes or 20 minutes. So, you know, seek that opportunity to, to see what God wants you to say to them. And sometimes we create the opportunity. So sometimes you might be standing in a queue or obviously with your neighbor or your colleague, you, you've got more opportunity to speak to them. Sometimes a random act of kindness can create an opportunity. You know, so there's certain things we do, like if you help somebody push their broken down car, they're not too surprised by that. But other things, you know, if you just pay for somebody's groceries or you see somebody carrying something heavy and you go and offer to, that kind of catches people unaware and they think, geez, where? Firstly, they're a bit circumspect, you know, not just because of COVID, but they think, what does what the weirdo want? But sometimes we create that opportunity just, and the person's defenses are just down and they, they frown turns upside down and suddenly they're engaging and they, they're almost talking to you and they open that opportunity for you to share. So, so look for the opportunities, but also look for where God's laying something in your heart and actually wants you to create the opportunity. Yeah, and just, just be bold in it. You know, so if you feel, sometimes we feel, I don't want to share the, the gospel with this person because I'm going to frighten them. But God has prepared their heart and they're ready to receive. And I think we, sometimes we underestimate that and we think I'm going to scare this person off. But um, they are in such a place that they're just waiting for somebody to reach out for them. They've been waiting for that encouragement or that hope that, that we can bring them. And if we don't take that step, we miss that opportunity to bring them that hope. Okay, third thing, keep it simple. You know, we, we get quite used to our Christianesia, the same as in your workplace. You'll throw around terms that, that the rest of us won't understand. And we, can't, we do that in church as well. We talk about sanctification and justification. So if you're talking to someone in Checkers again, you know, keep it very simple. Share your story. Talk, you know, if you want to share the gospel, keep it very simple as well. There's sin, and we need to accept Jesus, and there's salvation, and we become a new creation. Keep it very simple talk. Don't use the big words. And even words like um, fellowship and community, they second nature to us. But they don't mean something to the unchurched person. So you could explain. We meet in a little group on a Wednesday night. I'd love you to come and just meet the guys. We're pretty normal. You know, so don't talk about, you know, have you, do you attend a community? They're not going to know what you mean. You know, so keep it very simple speak. Can we just look at John 16, please, Elsby? So when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So the Holy Spirit will come and do the work in that person. We've just got to sow the seeds, as Skulk was also saying. Now, so we, if God tells us to do something, we will sow the seeds. Thanks, Jan. And, and the Holy Spirit will come and, and do the work in that person. It's not up to us to save the person. It's up to us to, to play our little part in what, what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. So we, not, we don't have to build up and make Christianity sound fantastic. Give the simple message and the Holy Spirit will come and do the work in that person's heart. Okay, and then the fourth thing is it's good news. So please, when you share the gospel, remember it's good news. Not doom and gloom and turn or burn or whatever you want to call it. George, you're going to have to help me with the Greek here, but the, the Greek word for, for gospel is euanglion. Is that right? Oh, jeez, okay, I got it totally wrong. Evangelion. Thank you, evangelion. So that's, that's the Greek, for, and it's translated as good news. 
So the gospel is the good news, and we've got to portray it as that. So we mustn't, um, as I said, be all negative. And no, church is exciting, and salvation is incredible. And we've got to share that message with the people. Let them know that there's hope. Let them know that there's salvation. Okay, so we can share our suffering. So that doesn't mean we can't stay away from our tough stories and what we've been through. But it's got to end well. You know, so I always, I had one person in my Edgemead community that used to, the guy said, you ought to cut him short. He talks too long. I said, yeah, but I've got to wait for his story to come back again. I I can't cut him off here. When he's in the depth of hell, we've got to bring him out and, and have victory in the story. You know? So, you know, so, so share your story, but make sure that you can keep it short enough that you can actually get it up and show the victory and the hope that comes out of it. Okay, so let's look at a few examples of, of where people did personal evangelism. Because we can evangelize to 3,000 people, but we want to stress the, the evangelism and the addressing the individual, speaking to individuals. So if we look at Paul in Acts 26... So this is where Paul had been arrested um, because he was preaching what people didn't like. And he was in front of Festus, and then Festus took him to King Agrippa. And um, he's standing in front of King Agrippa. So he's actually on trial here, but he turns that around. And he turns his trial into an opportunity to, to um, bring the word. So anybody had that experience where people are attacking you and you're able to, to turn that around? And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. So Paul was sharing his personal story. I think you guys know Paul's story. He was on the road to Damascus and he was blinded by the light and he came to know Jesus. And that was his personal story that he was sharing. Okay, the other thing I like about Paul if you look at his letters, he always ends his letters with his personal greetings. Have you noticed that? So it shows that he wasn't just this massive apostle who goes and speaks to thousands, but he had personal relationships with a lot of the people. So whenever he ends, he writes, I mean, Paul's written most of the, the New Testament, all the epistles, and he ends those epistles where, where he gives his personal greetings. Oh, say hi to so-and-so, and to so-and-so, and this person sends his greetings to so-and-so. You know, so it's, it's really special to see that he had those personal relationships, and it wasn't just that he had a relationship with the congregation or the leaders, but with, with the actual people. And then the last thing about Paul, of course, he was a tent maker, so he didn't rely um, on the income of the church, but he was able to, to pay his own way. So why, do you, why would he do that? Why would he put himself under such pressure? Anyone? Yeah. yeah, so he didn't want to cause anybody to stumble. So, you know, people would look and say, oh, this guy's just sponging off the church. So he didn't want that perception. So he actually just took that totally out of the equation. He said, I'm going to pay my own way by, by being a tent maker as I travel. And that's why no people can point fingers and say, well, this guy's just sponging. And so he was able to reach more people effectively like that. Okay, second person is Peter. So you'll remember Peter... Um, his very first sermon at Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to the church. It's incredible. I mean, what a, a sermon and what an impact he had, but yet he was also used to preach to the individual. So if we look in Acts, verse, uh, Acts chapter 10, verses 28 and 29, this is the story of the account of 
um, Cornelius. So Cornelius was a, a Roman officer, and Cornelius was, was given this. He was seeking God, and um, God said to him, send your men to, to the other city to go and fetch Peter and bring Peter to yourself. And at the same time, Peter was on the roof, and he was having this dream. Won't get into the whole dream, but effectively, the Holy Spirit was telling him that the, the gospel is not just for Jews, but it's for the Gentiles as well, of which Cornelius was one. So the Holy Spirit was singling Peter out to go and say, you need to go and reach out to this individual. So this is now when he comes to Cornelius, and he said to them, you yourself know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. So he's clear there. He says, you know, the Holy Spirit told me to come, and I'm here. And we've also got to have that posture. We've got to be looking for those opportunities when the Holy Spirit says, speak to that person. And you'll feel it. You know, you'll feel, oh, I just feel like I need to, to speak with that person. And again, if we don't know what to do, then just say, here's a card. You know, come and join us at Josh Jen. Or God's highlighted to me, and I don't know why, so can I just pray with you? You know, we don't have to have all these massive words of wisdom and think, just I don't know my Bible well enough to, to speak to this person. Just say, can I pray with you? Can I invite you to, to our Wednesday group that meets? Can I, just, can I just share my story with you? Okay, then Jesus. So Jesus, of course, preached to, to thousands during his ministry, but he also reached out to the individuals. If we think of that lady that was bleeding, it's a massive crowd. Uh, Jairus and his, and his servants had just been around Jesus saying that Jairus' daughter was, was dying. Twelve-year-old girl like Lydia. This girl was dying. And so the, everyone's buzzling, uh, bustling around Jesus. And then Jesus says, I felt something. We can just look at that next scripture, please, Elzebeth. Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and you're pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out of me. So Jesus could have just, and he felt this woman had touched her and he'd healed her. And he could have just left it at that. But he wanted to single this woman out and make it personal for her. And he actually calls her forward and she encounters Jesus. And we've got to do that as well. We've got to make sure that people have a personal encounter. So we can, have, we can invite people to the church here and just hope that, you know, this group, um, the group environment will, will have an impact on them. And it will have on some. Some people will come forward on their own. But most of us, when we first stepped into a church, we were a little bit circumspect. And we thought, I don't know anyone here. I don't know what they're going to do or how they're going to do it. You know, so we've also got to have that personal encounter with people and make sure that they receive that personal encounter of Jesus. And that woman's encounter had an impact on, on Jairus and his guys because just then the servants, more servants came and said, your daughter's dead. But Jesus said, have faith. Don't you think Jairus would have been really encouraged by what this other woman had been through? And, he, and then they went back to his house and his daughter was healed. Uh, Philip on the road with the Ethiopian. I think you guys know this story as well. So Philip was was told specifically, again, by the Holy Spirit to go and speak to the Ethiopian. If we can look at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 29. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south of the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So actually, directions, clear directions that the Holy Spirit's giving to him. 
this is a desert place. Then he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of her treasures. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So he starts walking alongside the chariot, listening to the Ethiopian reading, and then he, then he starts engaging with him and sharing the gospel with him. And what I like about this account as well is he, the Ethiopian asks him, I'm, I'm struggling with this text, what does it mean? And we've got to be careful not to just dismiss questions people have got. Especially if we don't know the answer, then we kind of change the subject. And we say, but do you know about my church that meets at the playhouse? And we've got to try and meet people where they're at and help them process the questions they've got. And if we don't have the answers, then just be honest. Well, I don't know that, but why don't you come on Sunday? I'll introduce you to a guy called Brian, and he can probably help answer your questions. So, no pressure. So, you know, so meet people where they're at. Listen to their story. And that gives you an opportunity to share. If we don't listen to them, they're not going to listen to us. Okay, then the Samaritan woman at the well. I'll try and speed up a bit. John 4 verse 39. So this, this is the lady of ill repute. Middle of the day, she's at the well because she can't go when the other women go. So Jesus comes up to her and he, as a, as a man, he shouldn't be speaking to her. And um, also because of her... Her reputation, he shouldn't really be speaking to her. But he comes and addresses her, so she's also shocked. He's created, like we said earlier, he's created that opportunity. He's actually surprised her. And he tells her her whole life story, how many husbands she's had, etc. And she goes back, and she tells the whole town about her encounter. So many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. What I want to highlight is, she... Never went to church or community, never read her Bible, never prayed. She didn't have any of that. And yet she went out and witnessed to people and told Jesus about, told people sorry, about what Jesus had done for her. And that's what we can do. So no matter our level of Bible knowledge or prayer intensity, we can share our story with people and have an impact on people. And then very similar with the demon-possessed man um, in Mark 5 verse 19. So Jesus had healed this man, driven the demons out of him into the pigs. And he says he did not permit him, because uh, the, sorry, the, the guy said to Jesus, can I come with you after he'd healed him? And he said, no, I don't want you to come with me. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And again, he went back to his village, had a massive impact by telling everybody. And the next time Jesus went to the Decapolis, there was like 4,000 people there. Most, most of that would have stemmed out of this man's testimony. Okay, then my last one is, is the church in Thessalonica, 1, Thess- 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 8 to 10. So this was that model church. I think we often talk about the church in Thessalonica, how well they were doing, encouraging, encouraging each other. Now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Greece. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it. For they themselves keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the true and living God. And they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. So they were living it out. That's another way that we evangelize. 
is just for our neighbors, our colleagues, just to see the way we're living, the way we're loving people around us, the impact we're having. But also, the Thessalonians weren't just living examples, but they were sharing the word as well. So I hope you encourage this morning to go out and not just be the good Christian neighbor, but to go out and, and evangelize to your neighbors, to evangelize the people that the Holy Spirit brings along your path. Amen. So don't worry, I'm not going to be 30 minutes. I'm here to make up the time. So mine's going to be quick and fun. No, everything else has been fun. I'm just joking. It is just, even having listened to what you're about, what we're about, it's about personal evangelism. And mine is actually evangelism starts at home. So it's going to be quite practical. Um, it's with our kids. It's with our children. And, and there's, there's a stat that goes around. It's actually the Balma group. They've done a research as to when do people come to know Christ. And they've taken the Americans, uh, which is an interesting nation. But with them, 43% of people that come to the Lord is at the age of 13 and younger. 64% age 18 and younger. So that goes to show don't disregard our task as a parent with our children. Of those 43, just over 50% is being led to the Lord by their parent. Um, big stat. So it's actually quite important to don't disregard your role as parent with your, with your child. It says, obviously it says teen years is the most effective time to effectively reach people. So it's not later, it's now with our children, up to the age of 13 and then 18. Then there's other stats after that. But we've got a part to play. For us to do that as parents, first thing, we need to believe the good news, the truth that was spoken by Scott and by Craig is the good news that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Also knowing the fact that there's no other way to the Father except through Christ. And we have to believe that Jesus born in this earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and it's only by knowing him that we'll have eternal life. That's important to know that. So if we know this truth, surely we're not going to withhold this from our, from our kids. We will not do that. So that's why it's important. I mean, I look at this morning when she spoke about how they're going through life, how she tells her kids with you on, Every day on small little principles, how can she grow them up effectively, being a disciple for them effectively? So that's the one thing. Um, I want to read out of just Proverbs 27, if we can put that up. The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children that follows them. So what it is, is we as Christians, we need to walk, godly Christians must work with integrity. Integrity means um, the quality to be... Um, being an honest life. It's also strong moral principles. So we need to have those strong moral principles. That's what we need to do. Our kids follow what they see. They Not what they hear. Yes, when we go back home, they see how do we react. How do we speak about people? How do we treat one another? Parents, how do we treat one another? Is that genuine love? Do they see Jesus when the man speaks to his wife? Is there love? Is there submission when, the, when a wife speaks? They see these small things. Um, uh, and also, is Jesus in our homes, not just in church? When we go home, do, we, do they see us um, praying? Do they see us reading the Bible? Do they see us worshiping? You know, that's what kids do actually see, and that's what we need to, that we need to remember that. 
What did I see when I grew up? Jean and I, we were very fortunate having two godly parents that, that, that didn't just talk the talk, but they walked the walk as well. We saw um, uh, parents that faithfully going to church every Sunday. Every, not once a Sunday. We went in the morning and we went in the, in the evening as well. Those good old days, but you could still go twice. Now, I don't, you're not allowed to. Those be good. So they did that. We went to community or to Heisel, or what was it, cell group geweest, every Wednesday, no matter if I had a big game to play on the Thursday, or Gina to write a test on the next day, uh-uh, we went with them. It's a small thing, but that stuff that stuck out for me, praying for everything. Again, that test, that uh, um, uh, big match game we had to play, or when I was sick, my mom and dad just said, come, let's pray. So we know, first reference wasn't the discipline, it was actually we prayed. Small little things, but that's what we saw. In everything, when we went in the car, those days we still go, we, we stayed in Kempton Park. We, we went to uh, Durban often for, for holidays. Got in a little Honda, like 15 hours to Durban. Now you could do it in, in minutes. When we got in the car, we first prayed for travel mercy. Small little things like that. That was stuff that stood out for me. And, and even today, I'm doing the same things. Discipline. We they didn't know it, but we also felt it when we were ill-disciplined. Discipline was a good thing, but it was never lack of love and, uh, and support. We knew it. And effectively, when we got disciplined, we knew we deserved it as well. But that's how we turned out not too badly. I think my wife will sometimes uh, uh, argue with that, but we turned out fine. And there was no compromise in the house. Never seen my dad under the influence of alcohol. and We never had crazy wild parties at the house because... When we're in church, we say we won't do those things. But when we go home, how does our lives actually represent? And that was never there. No compromise whatsoever. So in brief, I'm going to be quick, Carl. There's practical stuff we need to do. Um, let's go to Proverbs 22, 16. I think we know, we know the scripture. Is it NLT? Yeah. Teach your children to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain on it. So it's train your kids the right way. And when they get older, they will definitely, they will, they will still remain on this path. And that's why we as parents have got the responsibility to do this with our kids. We need to live godly lives. Just quickly, Titus 1. Now, normally Titus 1, 6, this is a scripture that we say it's for the elders. I say no, it's not for just for elders. It is actually for all Christ followers, everybody that knows Christ and follows him. This is applicable to you. And this is the type of things that kids look when they see you do things. They look at these things. Are we, in, uh, is there integrity in our lives? Do they see this in our lives? And that's actually living this life. Now, I'm going to read it. A Christ follower must be well thought of all of, what's my angles? It's a thought. Well thought of for his good life. He must be faithful to his wife. We all should be faithful to our wives. And his children must be believers who are not wild and rebellious. A Christ follower must live a blameless life because of he is God's minister. Life because he is God's minister. Sorry, my NLT is a bit different. So. He must not be arrogant, quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, greedy for money. There's another one. He must enjoy having guests in his home and must love all that is good. He must live wisely and be fair. He must live a devout and disciplined life. Now, those are things that Christians, our kids look at. We should live lives like this. 
shouldn't be, but dad, you say this in church, and then when you're back home, you, it's a different, different you. It's about lifestyle. That's where evangelism starts. It's not, you don't know if you threaten to stand on a corner, corner and say, Jesus save, although that'll be good. In our homes, we can do it with our kids, where they can see that, yes, you are a person of integrity. You are a godly person. Um, so we need to speak Jesus. By saying speaking Jesus, do we do Bible stories? Do we read Bible stories? Do we pray with our kids? Do we worship with our kids, not just here at our house? Do we do and do they see Jesus? Do they see our quiet time? Do they see that we pray? Do they do they see these things? Because no use in we saying stuff with the reason and I don't see it with our with our Christian um, parents that profess to be Christians. We've got a lifestyle that they need to that they need to model, and that's very important to us and to them. So, in summary, believe the gospel. It is the good news. Don't keep it just for yourself. Um, live godly lives and model Jesus. Children model what they see. At the young age, we can have a big impact in the lives of our kids. So let's do that. Um, yeah, that's that's my story. Right, so it's very practical, but I think it's good. I think we all can. And, and the great thing about this is we can reach our kids 43%, 60% by just living godly life, just by those principles with them. All right, so I think what we would like to do as well, I think we all are called, and part of today was... Uh, Christ is worthy. He's the one that died on the cross. He's the one who did it all for us. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us, all of us, where we are with our children, which we, it's the bare minimum, make sure your children know Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, serve Jesus. It's not just not saying the prayer, but it's actually following his commandments, like, like Skulk said, obeying his commandments. That's important to us. Um, and then everybody's got a part to play. Your colleague, if we really love these people the way we say we do, and we and we do also know the doom and the gloom is if they don't know Jesus, if they don't follow Jesus, that they will not be in heaven one day with us. So it is our responsibility. If we really love them, the way Skulk says, if we really love them, we will make sure they know Jesus the way we know him, the one who saved our lives, the one who changed our lives forever. Amen.